welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And today, again, as always, we have another phenomenal guest. And uh, I think we travel all the way to South Africa for this guest, okay? Amazing. Now, our next guest is not just someone that... Uh, just hangs out on the side and just enjoys life in the, without doing anything. She enjoys life, but she is busy. When you're talking about uh, top 10 Mrs. South Africa, we're talking about an interior designer, okay? Some of the things that she does in accounting, she's, she does accounting and auditing. She's, she just always tries to find something else to do. A busy woman, an entrepreneur, and I want to thank you and bring her and introduce her to the, to the show. This is Amber Danae Wright. Amber Danae, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kenny. What a privilege to be here all the way, talking to you all the way from South Africa. It's such a privilege. Oh, my goodness. You know, tell me about South Africa right now. What is it like out there? Well, we're actually having, an, so we're going into winter here in South Africa, um, and in general, Cape Town's winters are really cold, but thankfully summer is hanging on just that extra bit longer, which is amazing. So we've had some really good weather these last couple of days, beautiful blue skies. Um, we were out in the winelands this weekend, so that's one of our favorite things to do, having so many amazing wine farms at our doorstep. Um, and South Africa is just beautiful. What I think through this whole COVID thing has taught us, you know, we were big into international travel and travel at least once a year as a family. What we've realized without having that to do, we've got so much right here within an hour or two hours from us. So we've been doing a lot of exploring of our own country and there's just so much to see. So it's, it's a privilege to live here and I, I love my country. Oh, how awesome is that, right? And I, I think that's happening, Amber, in a lot uh, more ways than one. I think people are really starting to really appreciate the things that they have, especially being on this lockdown, you know, and so what a, what a wonderful thing. You know, I hear about those wines in South Africa. So <laughs> for you to play that back to us. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I have to continue to explore that. That's a new, the new world region as they call it. Right. Definitely. Yeah. We are making some great wines. So, I mean, we are very privileged to drink the wines that we do and, it's something that as a family, we love to do. So I am very, very lucky. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that you know, there's been a lot of things that we've learned from COVID. And I think that we have all learned to appreciate what we have because life can change so quickly. Um, and we have so much to be grateful for. And you just have to live every day to the fullest. So that's what we're doing here. And we in a beautiful place to be doing that. So we, we are very lucky. Oh, Amber, you said it. You said it correctly. And you think about this, right? The whole, this is what I say. I say the whole world, right, was able to experience this pandemic together. And it was life altering. You know, we all were like, oh my goodness. And depending on what we, what channel we looked on, it, the news would change and it was just overwhelming. Yeah. But now they're saying, okay, now we have a vaccine and the shot and everyone goes back to normal. But for cancer patients, there is no vaccine to cure this as a whole, right? Yeah. And so how, do, how does Amber uh, go, through, go through this, right? I mean, you, you have been diagnosed with breast cancer, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. 
Yeah. So uh, talk to us, walk us a little bit down that path of that shocking news that when you first got that from your physician. So I'll start by first saying that it's exactly what you said. One of the toughest things about a, a cancer diagnosis is that you don't just finish up your treatment and walk away and move on with your life. You know, it's a, it's a diagnosis that alters the course of your life forever. Your life looks different. It doesn't necessarily look bad and gloomy and dark, but it does look completely different. And I think that that's what makes this journey really tough. You don't just get to walk away from it. You live with it forever. You know, even if you are in remission or they find that you've got no cancer left, you still live with that for the rest of your life. And there's always going to be that fear of, will it come back if it comes back, you know? So yeah. it is really tough. Um, so for me, I am very sort of, I would say, guess new in my journey. I, in March of last year, so right before our country went into full lockdown, I found a, I found a lump in my right breast. Um, and I had, I had been diagnosed with what they call fibroadenomas when I was 18. And they were just like little lumps that most young women have. And my gynae had reassured me and said like, they can grow. And at some point, if they do get to a certain size where they're kind of interfering with your day-to-day -day life, you might have to have it removed. So when I found it, this was sort of the whole scenario that was playing out in my head. Um, and unfortunately I had, I couldn't get that um, clarity from my doctor because my appointment with my gynae got canceled due to the fact that our country went into lockdown literally two days before I was supposed to see her. Um, so that pushed my appointment a, a couple months later. And when I did eventually get to see her in May, she referred me to a uh, breast surgeon because she could feel that the lump was quite big and it was in a place that it was definitely going to, you know, sort of impact my day-to-day -day life. Um, and I went to see him towards the end of May of last year. And from everything that I was told and everything that I heard, this lump felt and moved and acted like a fibroadenoma. So, you know, it was all like, I was feeling very calm and very sort of relaxed about everything. Um, and with COVID being so bad, I was advised not to have, sur have a surgery to remove it um, at the time because there was obviously high risk of contracting COVID in the hospital. So I waited a couple of months, I think another about two months went by and eventually it was hurting me. I, I, you know, when I was training and doing exercise and things like that, it was in a spot that it was constantly causing me pain. And so eventually I just said, look, this is not right. I don't want to live with this thing and COVID stats had sort of decreased a bit in our country. So the hospitals were looking a bit more positive. Um, and so I went in and had the, the lump removed. And, you know, people always ask me, like, did you, did you suspect anything? Were you concerned? And I can genuinely say that there was not one moment where I thought this could be cancer. Um, there is no breast cancer in my family. Um, so it wasn't something that was sort of that I felt was maybe hereditary or something that I was even worrying about. Um, and I guess that's what made it so difficult. Um, so I had my surgery to remove the lump uh, in August of last year. And a week later, I went for the general post-op appointment where my surgeon checked the cuts and removed the um, non-dissolvable stitches. And then he said, OK, we're just going to have a chat in my office. Um, and up until this point, I just thought, you know, they always do pathology. He's probably just going to you know, run me through that everything was OK, what they did because I hadn't really had seen him much after the surgery in the hospital. Um, and I sat down and I mean, I think for the rest of my life, I'll never forget this, this moment because it was the moment my life was altered forever. I sat across from him. He had a big, beautiful window with the trees outside in this beautiful suburb here in Cape Town. And he proceeded to tell me that um, the news was shocking to them all because what they thought was a fibroadenoma was in fact a four centimeter tumor um and 
it, when I try to like as clear as that moment is in my mind, it's also like a blurry scene, like because your whole world, you almost feel like you're outside of yourself and you're watching the scene and you can't actually believe that it's happening. And I just remember feeling like I've walked into someone else's story. This is not, this is not my movie. Like I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. This can't be happening. Um, so those first few words that he started to speak, you know, you kind of hear that like rushing sound in your ears where you I think your body's just like preventing you from absorbing from the shock. Um, and he then just continued and he continued to talk about, you know, the type of cancer that I have, which is invasive duct carcinoma and that I had stage one type two, all of which meant absolutely nothing to me. All I knew was that stage one was good, <laughs> good from a cancer point of view. So I was like, oh, well, at least, you know, we got like a little bit of a tick box there. Like, that's cool. Um, and he then continued to talk me through what this meant. And as he spoke, I just realized that the life that I had was living up until that point was never going to be the same again. And um, it's taken me a long time to, you know, come to terms with that. And I think it, it does in general. Um, and so he, he ran through what this would mean. And obviously, I, so this was a week before my 28th birthday. So from an from a age perspective, I'm a very young patient. Um, yes, and that just sure. meant... Yeah, and that just meant that the treatment plan was going to have to be very aggressive because of the size tumor that I have for someone that was so young. And he started to, you know, throw words around like mastectomy and lumpectomy and chemotherapy. And I'll just never forget that was the word that like stopped me in my tracks. And I was like chemotherapy. And all I knew was, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my hair. And it's crazy the things that like, You've just been told you got breast cancer, but the thing that was the most scary to me in that moment was I was going to lose my hair. And I just thought, you know, all the movies and the TV shows that I've watched, like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be that bald person, that person that just, they always make you look so, the people look so sick in the movies. And I was like, I cannot believe this is where my life has taken me. Um, and to be honest, from that moment, my life became a whirlwind because I was thrown straight into scans and ultrasounds and CT scans and um, the next day I went to see an oncologist and when my when I was sitting with my surgeon and he said they booked me to see an oncologist tomorrow I was like what is an oncologist I don't even know what they do <laughs> like that's how clueless I was because I had no one you know in my family in my immediate sure. you know so it was like sure. this whole new world that opened up yes um and so we and literally there was like not a moment wasted the very next week I started fertility treatment to do egg harvesting so we did you know three weeks of hormone injections um, to harvest eggs and we froze embryos because especially because we haven't had kids there's obviously the risk that chemo can affect your fertility. So we went straight into that which was also probably one of the most traumatic things my the thing that I've wanted to be forget everything else that I love the thing that I've wanted to be my whole life is a mother. And when that felt like it might be taken away from me, it was very, very scary. So that was really tough doing the, the egg harvesting and freezing. Um, and then on top of that, there was the big question about why I had this cancer. So then we obviously did the genetics testing. Um, and that was just to determine whether I had any mutations in any of the main cancer genes that they, well, the known cancer genes at this stage. Um, and that would also determine the rest of my life and sort of what's, what route we'd have to take as far as surgery went, um, because obviously the BRCA1, BRCA2 mutations are very aggressive. And all those genes bring about a whole bunch of extra risks of the other cancers, um, future, uh, future second breast cancers and things like that. So the first bit of good news we got was that I didn't have any mutation in the, in the cancer genes, which was great. Um, 
And that determined the fact that I wouldn't have to, or at least wouldn't be encouraged to have a mastectomy, um, which was something big to me also from a children perspective, because I've always wanted to be able to have the option to breastfeed. Sure. Um, so then once basically it was like, cool, now we've done the genetics testing, we've got the embryos frozen, now it's time to start chemo. So within less than a month after I was diagnosed, I had started my chemotherapy. Um, so it really did those first, I remember those first three weeks felt like I was just being, I was just thrown from one appointment to the next. And I was just at a different doctor every single day. And I was exhausted. I mean, my husband was, I mean, he wrote, he drove me to every single appointment. So the two of us were just finished from driving around Cape Town to every other specialist and doctor and scan. So that was really, really tough and really tiring. Um, and I think definitely sort of, I think in a good way, it kept me busy. I, I didn't have too much free time. The only time I would have was I found myself obviously unable to sleep very well. And I would find myself mm -hmm. at four o'clock in the morning, sitting by myself, listening to worship music. And sort of, that was the only time I really had to sort of process what was happening. Sure. Um, and then it was time for chemo. Um, and that was obviously this big thing that this big, scary word that doesn't matter who you mention it to. Everybody knows it's a terrifying thing. And let me let me pause you right there, you know, because I, Amber, I, I feel exhausted just from from just that whole <laughs> process. I mean, you've taken us through three weeks and and this I hope the listeners can get this is that look what Amber went through for the first three weeks. Amber, that's a that is a lot. You're talking about from sitting in that chair, looking through that window and getting that news until now you're being fast tracked right in through exactly. things that you can't even I mean, you barely have time to process. And wow. So talk to me about the feelings at that point, right? Because obviously you're shocked, but how, how are you able to process and, and, and then get the courage to go, okay, because you, you got to go through it, but get the yeah. courage to go, okay, we're going to do this. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about that prior to getting the chemo. So I don't know at what point I just made the decision, mm -hmm. but at some stage in these, not even in three weeks, I think basically from the day after I was diagnosed, so I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, I was brought up a Christian and um, my faith has been something that has been very important to me throughout my life. And in the day, sort of the 24 hours to two days after I was diagnosed, I knew that there was only one way that I was going to get through it because I realized that within myself, I didn't have the strength I would need to get through this to accept where my life was going and the changes that were going to happen. And so I just decided that I was going to increase my faith even more I was going to trust in God's plan I for one second don't believe that God gives anybody cancer but he gives you the tools in order to equip you to handle this and I 100% believe that I would never have made it through this journey without my faith because in those dark moments where you feel like you can't carry on there's only one person that you can lean on. And for me, that was God. So I spent those first few days, I, I made myself a worship music playlist. And in every minute of quiet time in the car, driving to my appointments and my sessions, I was playing that worship music and I was just filling myself with God's presence and with faith. And I just decided that I was going to trust God and I was going to fight this thing. And I was going to wake up every day and I was going to do my best to be positive and to fight it because I knew if this thing got me from a mental point of view, 
it was going to be really tough to come back from. And so I just chose, chose a path that meant being positive, not, not to the point of denial, um, but positive in the sense that I was going to take a really bad situation. I was going to fight it with everything that I had, and I was going to make sure that something good would come from it. Yes. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I did and, and what I've tried to do, you know, every day since, since that moment. Oh, it's phenomenal. You know, and faith gets highlighted when we get, when we get, uh, when situations present themselves, right. When we find ourselves in a situation where, uh, it's trying, you know, something that is going to test us, you know, faith, exactly. faith comes into, comes into yeah. play and it's amazing. Yeah amazing how that works and yeah thank god for that and yeah. so let me ask you this right you know you instantly went into something and that's the part that a lot of people don't amber you know sometimes you get diagnosed and it's tough to transition and to latch on to something right how is that something that you've learned from from childhood have you always been able to uh, face adversity or how, how did how did you develop that to be able to have the courage to go no we're going to fight I'm going to link into faith that's you know that that seems yeah. to, to come from somewhere yeah so I was I mean I've got two amazing parents um, and I have to give them the credit for this because I was raised so my dad was uh, is an ex-soldier so um, he had three girls, which was the funniest thing because I think all he ever wanted when he was younger was a boy and thought that that was the way his life was going to go. And he had three girls. And so from very early on, you know, we've been three girls that can kind of be girly, but we can also get really rough and tough. And like I played touch rugby and we like to do crazy things like skydiving and um, scuba diving. And so we're very adventurous. And my dad from very early on instilled in us this ethos of like no guts, no glory and be all you can be. And then in with that also, you know, being raised in a Christian home, um, you know, whenever times got tough as a family, you know, we were always praying and believing in God for whatever it was, whether it was exams or whether it was an illness or whether it was a family member in hospital, no matter how, you know, extreme or, you know, minor the thing was as a family, we were always trusting that God had a plan for our lives and, and so I was raised in that way. And obviously at some point you have to make that decision for yourself. Um, and I was then lucky enough to enter into a relationship with my now husband, Nick, who was also a Christian. And I think um, in a way he even strengthened my faith because he had such a strong faith when I met him. And, and maybe at the time when we met, I was, you know, I was late teens, like early twenties. So you kind of in that stage where you still believe and I've never not believed, but maybe you're not actively seeking a relationship with God. Yeah. And then I think entering into a relationship with someone who brings, you know, his faith into the mix, it only strengthened my faith as well. So yeah, I think, you know, upbringing was very important. I was, I was raised to always be tough um, and to not let things get you down. And when you fall down, you get back up again. And, you know, you don't, um, you don't take defeat lying down. Um, and so that, you know, there can be the extreme of that. And I think you've got to be careful in life not to, you know, overcompensate for that, because I think then you can, you know, you can end up in that denial, like things aren't really happening. So, you know, I had to find my own way of being like, I can be tough and I can be strong. It doesn't mean that it's easy. And it doesn't mean that I don't accept that this is difficult or whatever, but yeah, that I've just found this way to be tough, but not in a, not in a way that's going to be detrimental to myself. For sure. <laughs> For sure. 
So now you take that, right? You've taken everything you've learned in life up to this point, because everything you've learned to, to that point is what is going to help you to the, the second phase, right? And so now you take that strength and you're getting ready for chemo. Now, as you brought out everything in the movies and things like that. So how did you, how did you approach that when you got there and prepare yourself for that and walk us through that journey? So I think of, of all the moments um, where I was the most terrified and okay, maybe right before I got wheeled into my surgery, I would say that competes. But the Friday before I was starting chemo, my doctor had phoned me to say, cool, the egg, the, the embryo freezing was a success. We can get going. We'll see you on Monday. Nice. And I kind of had imagined that I would have, even though I'd had three weeks, I thought, you know, maybe I'd just have like a week to come to terms with it. Because up until that point, I was so consumed by the fertility and the, the appointments that there maybe wasn't really time to even think, okay, well, chemo starting in three days. So that was the most terrified that I was. Um, and I left work early that Friday. I was like, I was, I was really a mess and I was crying and I was inconsolable. Um, and then I just realized, okay, I've got two more days until I start chemo. I'm going to fill these next two days with the things that make me happy. Um, because I don't know how badly affected I'm going to be by the chemo. I'm not sure what's going to happen when Monday comes and what the next five months are going to entail for me. So I spent that weekend and, and, and whenever I think about it, I get like this warm feeling because I just spent that weekend doing things that I love with the people that are so important to me. So I, I had dinner with my husband the first night, the second night as a family, we all went for dinner um, and we drank champagne before and we had wine at dinner and we celebrated life and we celebrated each other. Um, and then the Sunday, the day before I was starting chemotherapy, my, my two younger sisters took me to um, the, the flowers. We've got, there's, a West, there's a national park nearby, the West Coast National Park. And between, I think like August and October, it's flower season. And they took me there. And that was the first day since I'd been diagnosed that I really just allowed myself to forget about everything else and just really, really enjoy and it was like the best day that I could have had. And even to this, to this day, when I think about like my whole life, that day sticks out for me where we just had fun. And the three of us, we laughed and we lived and we took a million photos and everything was so beautiful. And when I got home, I obviously was like terrified for when that ended. But when I got home, I just had peace that I firstly, I'm very blessed for the people that I have in my life and for the life that I have. And I've got so much to live for. So no matter what chemotherapy brought, I had so much to live for and so much to fight for. And I think that, you know, despite the fear and stuff, that, that drove me because there were people that loved me and people that I had, you know, to fight for. It wasn't just for me. Um, so, so, yeah. Emotional, huh? Yeah, it is. It is. And it's so funny because I can tell the story a hundred times and then every now and then, you just really feel it. So it's yes. very emotional. Yes. You know, and that that's the strength. You know, you come in from that place and there's nothing like love, right? Yeah. Being exactly. surrounded by loved ones and being able to receive that love and know that's the most powerful fighting tool there is, right? For sure. For sure. And, and I mean, it's, it's just made me more aware of how important family is, how special relationships are. I mean, my marriage, I, and I think it can go two ways, but my marriage is better off now for me having had cancer than it even was before. So my relationship, my relationships have been able to flourish under such hard times because it does make you so appreciative of the people that you have 
and the life that you're given and the life that you've got, you know, for sure. Yeah. And let me ask you, so as you get into this, right, you, you've been filling up that cup for this moment, and then you get into chemo. Was it as scary as you thought it was? Walk us through some of that, what you've gone through, and then how you were able to transition through that. So strangely enough, when I finished my first chemo, so I was really terrified. We drove to the hospital and I was feeling very, very anxious. And I think it's, you know, we're always afraid of the unknown. I think it's the big, like the scariest thing is just having no idea. Um, And when all the movies just show the person bent over, vomiting the whole session, like that's sort of what you imagine. And so when my first session was done, I kind of was like, okay, well, I think that I'd made it, I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. But I was weary to let that feeling sort of take hold because I knew that there's an accumulation of the, the, the side effects and the treatment and as you kind of go on. But I just realized after, like once I'd made it through that first session, I was like, okay, I now know that I can do this and it's not going to be fun and it's long and you do feel like not great. Um, and the, but, but the first session really was, if I can say the least bad of all of mine, they did get worse. But the first one and even the second session, they were okay. And I think that that then kind of gives you the strength to know like, okay, well, I've done one. I got through it. This big, scary thing that I've spent weeks being terrified of, I just did it, you know? Um, and so I kind of just used that and, and, and try to just set myself small milestones, like just get through each chemotherapy session one at a time and not think about five months time or my surgery in seven months time or whatever it was. And I just, I really tried to just take it day by day so that I could take my, like just take small chunks out of this journey in order to allow myself to cope, which I think was important because if you try and absorb the whole, whole journey, it can be exceptionally overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was like, okay, I'm going to, and I just ticked off and every, every chemo session, I posted a picture on Instagram and I said, chemo one done, chemo two done, chemo three was really bad. And I felt really, you know, so I, I used that and, and that's kind of how the weeks then, you know, they move thankfully. And it, and it wasn't easy. And the first one was not a indication of how the whole session was the whole few sessions were going to go. Yeah. But I think every one that I got through just proved to me that I can do this. You know, sure. I've got the strength. Now, how many rounds, you know, because I, I would say, you know, I wonder if things are differently different in, in South Africa versus here in, in the States. How many rounds did they give you as far as chemo? And then what did, what did your treatment regimen look like? They said, okay, you're going to have surgery, you're going to have chemo, and then radiation. Walk us through kind of what your plan of attack of treating cancer was in South Africa. So the first thing, so obviously I'd had the tumor removed, which was a big part of it, even though the biggest thing I think with that was that when they went in, they didn't know it was cancer. So they weren't operating as if it was cancer because there's a certain way that they operate where you have to get clear margins around the tumor. So Mm. because of that, it obviously meant that I would have to have another surgery, but basically their first port of call was I'm, I'm really young. My, um, my K67 indicator was quite high, which means that the cancer grew really quickly. Um, so it was like, first thing we're going to do is we're going to knock this thing with chemotherapy. So I had uh, 16 rounds of chemo over 20 weeks. So I had two different drugs. I had two drugs for um, four sessions, which were every two weeks. And those were the really, like the really strong drugs, the ones that make you lose your hair. Um, and the, like the really strong ones where you have the most negative side effects. And then after those first eight weeks, I then went on to a second drug, which was then every week for 12 weeks. 
and that one had slightly, I guess I'd say slightly less severe um, side effects. Um, but that was weekly and, and that almost was just as tough as having all the bad side effects because just as you start to feel better, you're back at the hospital. Mm. Um, so that was quite tough. Um, so yeah, so that was five months of, of chemotherapy. And then, so I finished my chemo in January of this year. And then I had about, I think, three weeks uh, to get, gather my thoughts and gather my energy before I was, went in for my surgery. So like I said, because I didn't have um, BRCA mutations, I, wasn't, I didn't have to have a mastectomy. So we, they did a lumpectomy on me, which basically means they go in and they clear all the area, all the tissue around where the tumor was to ensure that there's no contaminated tissue left behind. Um, and that resulted in basically a full breast operation where they reduced the other side to match because I just had the tumor in the one side. Um, so that was, I mean, I've had very minor operations in my life. Thank goodness. I've never really, you know, I've never overnighted in hospital. And other than the tumor removal, I'd had one other surgery and my wisdom teeth. So I wasn't like very comfortable going in for operations. <laughs> and, and every other time I'd had my boyfriend slash fiance or husband at the time um, there with me or my parents when I was younger. And thanks to our good old friend COVID, no one was allowed to be there with me. Oh so that was, and that was probably the toughest thing. It was like, just not having someone, you know, wave you off as you get wheeled out, like having to be there alone and sit there alone, waiting in the room for, you know, the couple of hours before they take you in. That was really tough because you do, you, you need that like person being like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. We love you. We'll see you when you, when you come back. And then, you know, you wake up out of surgery and there's no one there either. So that was really, really tough. Um, sure. And I think there's, there's something to be said um, about the effects COVID has had on people going through cancer treatment now. I mean, even from a chemo perspective, in a normal world, you can have someone come and sit with you. But when I did chemo, I wasn't allowed to have anybody with me because obviously it's a risk to everybody in the hospital. Sure. And that was also really hard to you. You kind of, you're doing it alone a lot of the time, which is tough. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and then I had to spend three, three nights in hospital um, on my own. So that was really tough um, being in a hospital and having never overnighted. It was, it was something I never want to have to do again, um, <laughs> especially alone. I mean, I was, I was lucky in the sense that my hospital room had a window onto the parking lot. So I did have my family come stand on the bottom floor and uh, we would chat from the window, which, you know, even just that made such a difference yes. just to have that, you know, even just for them to see me. Uh, because I think as much as it's difficult for the person in the hospital, the people that are waiting for the call and waiting for the results and news and stuff, I think it's, there's, there's, it's really tough on them as well. So at least we could sort of see each other. Um, and actually just when that was kind of when I felt like, you know, we were getting through this and moving on and we were getting to a stage of moving past this um, in a weird sort of deja vu it's turn of events. I went for my post-op appointment after my lumpectomy about 10 days later. And I sat with my surgeon in the same room and he said to me, the surgery was good. Unfortunately though, they found another cell, which was, it's called DCIS, which is basically a cell with precancerous cells inside in the same breast, but on the opposite side to the tumor. Oh my goodness. And so this was like, oh my goodness. And, and, and this was the moment, I think that this was almost worse than the first diagnosis because it was like you just thought you were moving in the right direction yes and because of that then he said 
this means that I've got multi, multifocal disease because there was now three instances because they'd found another cell of DCIS where the original tumor was. So now I had three instances of a tumor and two precancerous cells. And in that moment, he said, the next thing he thinks is the right way to go about it is to do a mastectomy because if there's three instances, they can't guarantee that there's no other cells somewhere else that, doesn't, that are too small to get picked up by a scan. So in that moment, I felt probably, like I said, even worse than the first time around. And I was just shocked because you kind of just assume, you just assume that it's going to be fine. You had this huge surgery, yes. and everything's good and it went well. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, so now we're basically, I felt like we were basically back at the beginning. And I think that that, it took me a while to get up from that shock. Um, the next few days I was very, like very down and very sad and very sort of, I, I guess just like, un, like unsure about like what was what this meant, and of course I've just come out of five months of chemotherapy and just had a very big operation, and now they're bringing in the word mastectomy. How in the world would I ever find you know the the strength to get through that? And as it turned out, after a couple of days of some more investigation into you know the extent of the DCIS, because like with cancer, it's also got like a staging as well, and it was very low grade and very small. So thankfully, after multiple meetings and conversations and appointments and things like that, it was decided that at least for now, they would just go back into the area and shave away and make sure that there was nothing left behind from the cell because they did take it out, but they didn't know what if it was if there was some left behind. So about uh, just over a month after my lumpectomy, I went back into hospital and they cut me open again in the exact same places where I was just starting to heal. Oh my goodness. Um, and that, that was very tough because now you know you've kind of you've just done this. You've sort of just, I was like just starting to feel like myself again and just able to do things like grab a glass out of the cupboard or you know pick heavy things up. And now it's like, okay, let's go do this all over again. Oh. But thankfully, thankfully the second time around, it was, you know, they, they're cutting away less. So the less that they're cutting and taking away, the, the better it is to heal. Um, and actually it was a, a much, much better than the first time around. And I, I healed a lot quicker, which was good. Um, but emotionally, it was very traumatic to basically go and relive that whole nightmare again. I can only imagine, you know, you, you're going through this process. And, and again, we talked about the strength. And then in, yeah. in order to get through this and being able to have that faith and reach for the tools that we have, yeah. Yeah. but then we don't anticipating, anticipate getting hit back down with some, some discouraging news. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so here you go again, having to <laughs> refill that cup, you know, talk to the listeners a little bit about, you said it was a couple of days, but what changed your mindset there to go, okay, we got to, we're going to do this. And. I'm ready for this, this, and that. Yeah. So firstly, and you know, I've spent, I've had to ask for forgiveness for feeling this way, but I did have for the first time during this journey, that moment of like, how can you let this happen, God? Sure. I've been so faithful. I've been so strong and so determined and, and so like believing in your, in your plan for my life. How can this be happening? Um, and I had that, that, that wrestling, that, in, that internal wrestling of like, I have to believe and I do believe, but like, it's really hard. Like, how can you let this happen to me? How can I be back here? Um, and that was kind of like for, for two days, really just feeling like, 
like I'm mad at God. Like there's no other way to say it. Like I was just mad at God that I could be like, I could be back in this kind of situation after everything that I've been through. And uh, a, a couple of months before my cousin had given me a book, um, a Joseph Prince book. It's a daily devotional. And, you know, with everything that was going on, I had read a few, but I kind of put it up, you know, every day, the days just rolled by and I, I wasn't reading the book and it was in my bedside table. And about two days after I got the news, I just felt the need to go get it and I pulled it out and I started doing that daily devotional. And I just, again, decided that I needed God and I needed my faith and I needed to believe that there was a bigger picture here and it was a bigger plan. And I knew that if I didn't have God, if I didn't have, believe in God and have my faith again to get to pick myself up after like a second knockdown would have been impossible. So I then just was like, I'm just going to funnel my energy into believing and praying. And I started reading that daily devotional every day. And, you know, it would, it would take five minutes, but I would use that time in the morning when I'd wake up and I'd read through the book and I, you know, and I was honest and obviously God knows how I'm feeling, but I was honest about the fact like it's really hard for me to be back here. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like I've done so much. And so I just need your help. I just, I, I, I was just begging for help and for strength to be able to get back up again. And I think my husband was really worried um, because I don't think, I, I thought he, he didn't think, you know, he wasn't sure how I was going to respond to this and how I was going to pick myself up because to get bad news twice, such bad news twice is, is really tough. Um, and again, I just think, you know, my default is to have faith and to believe. And that's what I've clung to. And I just knew once again, I needed it and I needed my faith and God to, in order to get through this. And, and that was really just what I had to just keep telling myself. And, and even still now, basically when I got diagnosed, um, my sister bought me this pen that you can write on, on mirrors or, or windows or whatever. And just after I got diagnosed, I wrote um, two verses on my mirror, just short ones. The first one was um, be strong and courageous. And the other one was um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And they're small in my mirror. But every morning that I wake up or I do my makeup or my hair, they're there just to remind me that I can do anything with Christ in my corner, you know? Um, yeah. And that was just that daily reminder, which I needed because it's very easy. It's very easy to get into a negative mindset and to get into a negative cycle and to push God away or, you know, to just be mad and stay that way. And I think it's, it's natural to have those feelings. Mm -hmm. It's just important that you can come out of that and go, okay, God, I'm sorry that I was mad, but I need you more than ever now. Like I needed you before, but I need you more than ever now. Um, and yeah, I picked myself up. And I mean, there's no doubt that the people around me helped. I mean, I had people praying for me, my, my entire family, extended family, people all over the world, people on Instagram who I've never even met, yes. messaging me every day saying they're praying for me and sending me scriptures or songs and you know, that also, that also strengthens you, you know, when, when other people, the people around you are carrying you as well, you kind of like, how can you not fight, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, Amber, it is, um, you'll be surprised. That's one of the, that's one of the top things that people question. You know, you question God, especially when something, you're a good person and then things like this happen to yeah. you. And so that, that you're not alone in that question, yeah. you know, yeah. why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? You know, in the Holy Writings, it talks about, you know, even God's friend, they call they called uh, Abraham his friend. And Abraham was worried about his, his nephew, right? And so what did he do? 
he questioned them. He was like, yeah. there's 50 people in that city. Are you going to destroy it? And then it's 40. And then, you know, he, all the way down to 10. So what was he doing? He was, he was questioning God. And, and then yeah. you've seen that dialogue. Yeah. And so it's sometimes not understanding um, why these things are happening, that we do question them. But yeah. it's, it's, it's so important that we, we find those answers, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and so you sharing that, sharing that piece, I think sometimes people may not have faith. And so yeah. that's a hard thing for them to grasp, grasp onto. But then the people who do have faith go, well, why me? And so then now there's a tug of war and you, you understand that. And, yeah, exactly. um, and so, you know, I, I thank you for sharing, sharing your experience with, mm -hmm. with us and the listeners. And, you know, one of the things I say is you think about, you think about the, the lady who had this bleeding disorder in the Holy writings, it talks about this, this lady, she had this bleeding disorder and then she just wanted to cure it. She went to doctors and this and that, and she just couldn't get it cured. And in her mind, in her faith was so strong, right? She said, if I can just touch his fringes, you know what I mean? If I could just touch him, yeah. then I would heal myself. And, yeah. and the power of that, the power of faith. So super important. Thank really you for sharing is. that. Thank you. No, and I mean, um, I've said it a couple of times to my husband, you know, I think, you know, you, you grow up as a Christian and I've always wondered how, like, what opportunity would I have to share my faith? You know, you're at school and when you're young, it's very difficult to talk about God and your, your faith and, and what you believe in a lot of the time. And, and even as I got older, I, I wondered, like, how would I do justice to my faith and, and, and lead people to God in the way that you're kind of called to as a Christian? I don't know what that means for me and how I'm going to do that. And, and in this crazy way, and, and I just want to reiterate that, you know, God doesn't give people cancer. Um, but through me getting cancer, I've been able to share my story. And who knows, maybe even if just one person turns to God because of my story, then my life would be totally, you know, this whole thing would be worthwhile. It would all be, it would all mean something because that's what we're called to. And, and, and to have had this opportunity to share. And, you know, there's so many negative um, things about social media, but for me, I've been able to really see the positives of social media and sharing my story and having people message me and ask me questions and send me prayers and this amazing community that's been built up over, over your phone um, has just been incredible, you know, and, and having the tools to, to talk about my faith and to share my feelings and the things that I've been going through good and bad and, you know, how tough it is, but you got to just have faith. And so it's, it's, it's a privilege for me. And, and to be able to share on your, on your store, on your podcast is just, a, it's a huge privilege. So I do thank you as well. Oh, we thank you. We thank you so much. And that's what we're doing. We're continuing to empower cancer patients with these insightful conversations. And exactly. for those that may not have the faith or the strength to get through this and, and being newly diagnosed, you can grab, hopefully you can grab some gems here that Amber has talked about and what she's used to, to get through this. And then it can help propel you through your cancer journey. So that, that's, that's, our, that's what we're trying to do here. And so we get back to my goodness. Okay. <laughs> it's second, second time around. We are going to know we're going to fill this cup again. And you mentioned about the people who were praying for you, the people who supported you, how did your support team come about? You know, because a lot of times 
people may not have that at first, but it, yeah. it does develop. How did yours develop? So it started within my family. Um, I've, I've, I've got a very close-knit family. My parents and my two sisters are here in Cape Town, living in Cape Town as well. Um, so firstly, my husband, who is the most incredible man on this earth, I am constantly grateful to God that he came into my life because there's not another person on this earth who could have done and been for me what, he, what Nick has been for me over the last nine months. So even if I just had Nick, and I'm so grateful I didn't just have Nick, that I had so many others, but even if I just had Nick, I had in him the most incredible support and, you know, encourager. And he was just there to be whatever I needed in, in whatever stage that I was at. So I'm so grateful for that. And then my family, my family here, and I've got lots of family in Joburg. And I mean, everyone from my parents, my sisters, my cousins, my aunts, I was getting messages every mm. single day of people just saying they love me, they're caring for me. How am I? How am I feeling? Thinking of you, like remembering every single time I was going for chemo, which is so incredible because everybody's got their own lives. And, you know, it's great and it's amazing if you can think of someone and support them. But you, I realized like everybody's got their own life and somehow within everybody's own lives, they still managed to find the time to constantly check in with me. And that was absolutely mind-blowing for me you know and that isn't even just from family that extended to friends and like I said friends all over the world and then through sharing my story on Instagram like I said this whole other world of people opened up to me where I was getting messages daily from people I had never met never knew one thing about literally just knew their Instagram handle and yet they were saying to me how my story has touched them or inspired them or helped them cope with their mother's cancer or help them cope with something totally unrelated, but just my strength showed them that they could handle whatever they were dealing with in their life and walking this journey with me, you know? So even in the moments where I was physically alone, I always had, I just knew I always had these people around me praying for me, lifting me up and carrying me, which was so incredible. And, and it's super important to, you know, have that around you to surround yourself with people that are going to carry you and lift you up. Um, and support you because there are definitely going to be those days where you you can't do it for yourself where it's too tough and it's too hard and then you need the people around you to say okay God is with you we're praying for you even if you don't have the strength right now we've got the strength for you and we're yeah. gonna you know carry you through this um, so I, I have been super blessed with I mean I even to this day and I'm, I'm two weeks post all my treatment I get messages from people all the time checking in so People are just phenomenal. Um, and I've, I've just really enjoyed seeing the positive side of social media and what an amazing community you can build out of tragedy, you know? Absolutely. And there is a positive side. And, and I, think, I think, again, when our perspectives change, right? You know, when we get hit with something that changes our perspective and we look at, it changes how we look at things. Would you, yeah. would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and I think, um, you know, something that I've realized along the way is there's obviously this huge list of negatives about this journey that I've been on and that this journey that so many people are on. And those things are really hard and, and nothing changes that. But what I've just seen and been able to appreciate is the positives that have come out of this. You know, the people who I've been able to help, people who were diagnosed that contacted me and asked me for advice that I was able to be a support to other women going through this, to inspire other women and to just give them that hope because 
it's really hard to see the other side when you're mm. in the middle of this, but to just give that hope that cancer doesn't mean your life is over. Chemotherapy doesn't mean that you have to stop living. In fact, it's even more important when you're going through that to actively fight for that life that you have and to keep on living. I mean, that was something that I really, really made an effort to do, like not become the patient, not let the disease be uh, define me. Like I was gonna, I was gonna rebuke that. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna model. I'm gonna have no hair, and I'm gonna do photo shoots, and I'm gonna be three days after chemo, and I'm gonna be at, you know, my parents for my sister's birthday, or um, I, I had chemo the one day, and that evening I was very honored to receive an, an, an award. It was a Woman of Wonder award. I had had chemo that day, and I got into a ball gown, put on makeup, put on a wig, and I went and, and went <laughs> and received an award. And that's like not. That's just and and. That's just like, you've got to just fight for those things because it's really easy to not. And, and, and there were definitely days where I stayed in bed. Like I wasn't this like crazy person. I, I obviously had those days where you're totally, you've got nothing to give and you just need to be in bed. And that's also really important. Yeah. But I think it's just that reminder that you can't just stop living because then the disease wins. Then cancer can win and it, it, it takes over. You've got to still continue to live your life because if there's anything this teaches you, it's that your life, life is so precious and it can be so short. So we have to make the most because we don't know how long it's going to be. None of us know, you know, you just yeah. got to make the most of every day you're given, live it to the fullest and especially appreciate the people around you. And I think those are the really big positives that have come out of this and a realization that maybe I wouldn't have come to had I not walked this journey. What a warrior. What a warrior. <laughs> You know, and for sure. And, and no, thank you. You know, thank you. Because the listeners and myself, we, we all go through things in life, right? We, yeah. we, we find ourselves in situations and we, we feel sorry for ourselves. And, and it's okay to, yeah. to go through that grieve. But to get out of that, to go, no, I got an award. I'm gowning up. I'm putting on my wig on this makeup and yes, I'm going to look fabulous and go do this. And, and even going through, uh, going through cancer treatments. And so what does that say to anyone that may be going through something? I say, you look at that, you show up, you yeah. know, because the opportunity is always in the show up. And then what that does to the next person who may know what you're going through or who be yeah. listening, who may be listening yeah. to this. Yeah. It, it gives them the strength. So thank you for that. And so, yeah, thank you. And so here I, I say now, you said two weeks, you just mentioned, okay, two weeks post treatments. What is life for Amber now? You know, what is, how does, how does Amber live her life from this point? Does things change? Yeah. So I think the first thing is that I'm going, I, I've, I'm going to live more intentionally. And I think it's a big thing about what I just said is like living life to the fullest. And to be honest, I've always believed that. Um, and I've always tried to live my life in that way, not living like it today's your last day, because I don't think that's like a good way to live, but just to make the most of everything, like spend the time with your family and, and spend it like in a quality way, you know, don't be distracted. Family for me is just so important. So I always use that as an example is like, just appreciate those relationships. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's been a long process of getting to where I am now and, and I'm nowhere through doing the work. Like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done for me. And, you know, I have my bad days because I had to, you know, I had to learn to love a totally different me. 
Um, I lost all the things that people considered me beautiful for or things that people found, you know, remembered me for my hair, my eyebrows, my eyelashes. I lost all of that. Um, and so then what I always say is when those things are stripped away, what is left behind? And that's really the important thing. And yeah, it's used as a cliche, you know, all the time, but it really is what people are going to remember you for. Um, and the thing that actually matters, because like I saw, all the physical things, all the outward things, they can all be taken away. But it's the person that you are inside. And, and through this journey, I've really been able to work on that person. And I think for that reason, the rest of my life, I'm going to be a better off person for it. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better daughter. I'll one day be a better mother because I've been able to really work on who I am inside. And I've been shown the things that are really, really important. And I don't sweat the small stuff. I was really the kind of person that would get anxious and upset and stressed about the stupidest things. And my husband would always be like, such a silly thing. You don't need to worry about that. And I was, I was like obsessed about silly things that aren't important. And then you face this journey and you realize life is too short to worry about the small things. You know, there's so many, there's big things in life that you're always going to have to deal with. But life's too short to stress about the silly, insignificant things. And so, I've, you know, the things that are important are the things that are going to really matter and the things that you can focus your energy on. But every, all the other things are irrelevant and they don't need all of your stress and your mental capacity and your time. Um, so I think it's just living more intentionally, appreciating the people that I have around me, having a renewed appreciation for the life that I have. Because even having walked through nine months of cancer treatment, being diagnosed with breast cancer, I was constantly made aware of how privileged and blessed I am to be able to have a home that I can come home to after treatment, to be able to receive world-class treatment from incredible doctors. Those are all insane privileges. And I had to keep reminding myself because I have a very, very blessed life despite the trauma and despite the tragedy. Um, and all of those things have just become so much more apparent to me because I've had to walk this tough journey. Um, so there's just a, just like a greater amount of appreciation for absolutely everything. And I do hope that, you know, I will continue to feel that way because I think it's so important. And I think you can go your whole life not appreciating the things that you have. And maybe you never have to, you know, experience tragedy like I have. And you can just take things for granted. But now I've had this huge life altering thing that's happened to me. And it's been like a really big awakening to be like, um, treasure the things that you have in your life the people that you have in your life and just the life that you have and make the most of it and live each day with purpose and intention absolutely so well said so well said and and, and thank you for that and and i say to you you know we live in a world where a lot of the external factors play a role right yeah. and so as you mentioned some of the things that um, the world as, as the world as a whole looks at gets stripped away. It's an internal look now, right? You're talking about hair and eyelashes and things like that. Where did you, how did you channel that internal uh, connection and, and then extract and go, no, what's most important is this and whatever that this is, how did you do that? It was tough. Um, we, like you said, we grow up in a world where external beauty and external features are the things that are, you know, idolized or desired. Um, 
and you know even in the modeling world or, or doing Mrs. South Africa, those are the things that are, you know, the reason you're chosen for those things, you know, specifically. Sure. Um, and, and so now, okay, now two weeks after I finished chemo, I shaved my hair and I've got no hair. And that was like, what am I going to look like? That was what I was worried about. And it's such a, it's so crazy that you can have a disease, this terrible disease, and you're so worried about what you're going to look like. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think a big thing that helped was, um, the way people responded was unbelievable. I mean, I think people told me when I posted my first picture with no hair, I was, I was just showered in so much love and that really just like bolstered my confidence. Um, and then as I went on and I just, I would, I was able to sort of absorb what I was going through. And I saw how much strength I had. I was just, I was just really in awe of the strength that God was giving me and the strength that I was able to, that I was able to channel into fighting this thing that if you had asked me, I would have said, there is no way I can get through this. Um, and I think through that, I, I, I really just got an appreciation for the, the people that, the person that you are inside. And I've often thought, you know, you go to the supermarket and someone's maybe like miserable or snappy or and you kind of, you get annoyed as the customer, just as an example. <laughs> what I realized through walking my journey, because as I said, I was working for the first eight weeks and I was working in a, a client facing role where I was helping people in a decor store. I was in the middle of chemo wearing a wig. No one would ever have known I was going through what I was going through. But it was just that moment where I realized that we all need to just be nice to people because we have no idea what battles they're walking. Like we, we all facing, we all have battles that no one sees. Yeah. Um, and it just made that, like that point for me was just like, I just want to be a good person. I just want to be remembered for being a good person. I just want to be kind. And you're not always going to get it right, but I just use this as an opportunity to work on those things. Mm. And actually I've, like I said, I've done more photo shoots. I've had more people com com compliment me. And I think it's because part of all of those things, people get to see the person that you are. And that's what people are going to remember you for. No one's going to remember I had great hair and I had great hair. No one's <laughs> going to remember me for that because it's so much more important what kind of person I am. Um, yes. And being able to have that opportunity to work on the person that I am has been like life-changing and, and maybe in a way that I would never have gotten to otherwise. Um, and, and, you know, definitely having, you know, one of the fears is like, you're, you're, I've been with my husband, we've been married for four and a half years, but we've been together for 10 years nearly. And is, is he going to still love me when he sees me? I mean, these are the things you think about. Yes. And when you are, when, when he shaved my head and like, that's a moment that I'll never forget for as long as I live. Like that was a, an insane moment to experience as a, as a couple, but he just loved me more. And through being loved like that, you can't help, but love yourself and be confident in who you are and just realize that none of those other things really matter. Um, so that's also been hugely important is to have people around me that, that help me get through that and realize what is actually important in life. Oh, so well said. And uh, thank you for walking us through that because we need that. Yeah. You know, so many of us need to hear that and, yeah. and to know it's about who we are as human beings. And it's not how we look and, and, and all the external factors. And when we can somehow look in that internal mirror, right? Look in that mirror yeah. and look at ourselves internally and extract 
what's most important, that's where the beauty is at, right? That's the, where the reflection, the reflection of our creator, right? Of what yeah. we can demonstrate, exactly. right? What a beautiful exactly. thing. So, and I, I thank you so much for, for expressing that. And so let me ask this, Amber, Miss Amber. That's what we got, <laughs> Mrs. Amber on All Talk Oncology from South Africa, okay? Miss Amber, talk to us about how you celebrate life now. Talk to us on how you uh, can appreciate the things around you so much more. So I think I've always been a person, or I've always tried to be a person that celebrates, you know, no matter how small celebrates. And I've always had like, I've had people always say to me, like, doesn't matter what it is, if it's a birthday or something way less small, it doesn't matter. It's worth celebrating. Yes. Um, and, and luckily, you know, as a family, we've kind of, that's how we've always been. So it's been very easy for me to be that way. So, you know, pop that bottle of champagne. Like I'm, I'm, I love my wine and my champagne and I haven't been able to enjoy it as much over the last couple of months, but pop that bottle, that special bottle. It doesn't have to be your birthday or it can just be a Friday night and you're just going, I'm just happy to be alive. Like for my husband and I, to have walked the journey that we've walked, we are just like any day that we get to just be together and be in our beautiful home and be alive is a day worth celebrating. So whether it's champagne or whether it's, you know, going on a trip, like take that trip. You know, we've, we've been able to, with me not working and him working from home, we've had a bit more flexibility. So like I said, being able to do more traveling and it's so easy to just not do those things because life, life gets busy and work gets in the way. But we've just been like, no, we need to just capture all of these, every moment that we have, let's just do whatever it is, whether it's traveling or eating out or drinking champagne at home, whatever it is, just do those things um, because they also are things that just enrich your life. I've always thought that like travel especially makes you so rich and it's not the rich that money can make you. It's a rich that's within your soul um, and traveling for, for my husband and I and for you know my family growing up has been one of those things where you can just, you know, you really get to just celebrate, you know, you get to explore other places and whether it's international or local, you know, it, there's just so many things to do. Um, so I just think like I'm continuing that sort of pattern that I've lived with my life even more so where it's like, just celebrate every day. It doesn't even, you know, I keep using champagne because it's the thing for me that's like celebrating, but it's like buy the balloons and my husband threw me the most amazing it, it was COVID so my, it was just my immediate family but we had a chemo party and he bought me this huge cake and there were pink balloons everywhere and posters all over the wall, wall. and it's like that's a moment to celebrate and then we fin I finished radiation and my whole family came over and we popped champagne and there were big balloons and we <laughs> celebrated that and it's like all the small milestones and and whether that's cancer or, or not like you get that job promotion like go for dinner or drink that nice bottle of wine that you've been saving don't save it forever. Like there's obviously age your wine, that's fine. But like drink that bottle of wine or go on that trip that you've been wanting to go on. Because I think that this whole thing has just shown me that life is just, it's so precious and it's, it's short. And especially from a health perspective, even, you know, obviously I'm, I'm here and I'm healthy and I'm good, but there were so many weeks when I was too tired and I had no energy and I didn't feel like going out or going away or and now I'm like, okay, well, now I've got my strength. So I'm going to exercise because it's a privilege to be able to exercise because my body is healthy enough to do that. And I'm able to get in the car and go on a road trip. Um, and if you've got your health and all of those things, like 
don't don't wait for something bad to happen to in order to appreciate what you have like do that now and it's it's something that i'm always harping on about to the people around me is like you don't want to wait for tragedy to start appreciating your life like appreciate it now so if you're listening and you're you're not you're not walking a cancer journey just know that like the life that you have is worth celebrating and just appreciate what you have because if you've got the basic things there are so many people out there that don't even have the basic things so if you've got a home and a partner that loves you and a family like those are such special things and those those make us such privileged people and you just have to be grateful like just live a grateful life and that's what I'm, I'm definitely trying to do is just be grateful for everything that I have big or small like it's just so important oh, I love that <laughs> I love that and I, I felt that energy through 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 you expressing it too, you know, and it's it's passion behind it, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely you. feel passionate. I'm like I'm like hot and sweaty from being so passionate about <laughs> that I believe so strongly in it, and like it's only just become like I've only become more passionate about it for having had breast cancer because you do realize how precious life is. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah, oh, Amber, it's been a it's been a privilege having you on our show. And for anyone out there that's listening, Amber, what can you tell them as they get ready to bark on their cancer journey and they may be, you know, a little intimidated with fear? What can you tell them to give them that strength? So I think the first thing that I will say, the first thing that I would say, which was very important for me was your mindset. And I think we've spoken a lot about that um, through this whole um day of chatting is that like your mindset is really really important um so you need to you need to find whatever it is that's going to help you get that strength so you and you need to just do your best to be positive about the situation because like i said if you allow cancer to define you then you're just going to be that patient and, and your life is just going to feel like you're the sick person in bed and that's not to say that you're not going to have those days i keep saying that but like you're obviously going to have those days but just try set yourself a positive mindset. And every day you wake up, remind yourself that you can do this and you're strong enough. And like I said, like I wrote on my mirror, I wrote some Bible verses, whatever it is, they can be like small things. That's just that reminder every day because it does take a reminder every day because it's a very long journey to walk and it's going to get tough. But just remind yourself every day of how strong you are and that you can get through this. And Secondly, which is so important is surround yourself with those people that are going to support you and love you and walk this journey with you. It's, it's a very lonely journey, even with support. So you need those people around you that are going to carry you and walk with you and pray for you. And especially be there on those days where you feel like you don't have that strength within yourself. Um, and then again, for me, like my faith, you know, I, I hope that anybody that walks this journey can either have faith or find their faith because for me, I could never have gotten through this journey without my faith um, and without the strength that God gave me. And then most importantly, which I now have also spoken about a lot, is keep on living. Don't let a cancer diagnosis or chemotherapy or surgery, don't let it stop you from living. Just keep living the life. Do as much as you can to make your life feel as normal as possible because it's going. you are going to feel sick and you are going to have those days where life just feels like all you do is drive to the hospital and come home so find those moments in the in the days that you're feeling strong to do those things that make you feel normal go on a walk you know just do whatever it is go out to a restaurant for dinner 
don't let cancer be your whole world. Fight back against it and say, I'm not going to let this take over. I'm going to continue living the best life that I can under the circumstances. And when this is over, my life is going to be 10 times, 20 times, however many times greater than it was before. And I'm going to make sure of that starting now. So I think if I can just encourage anybody with that, it's just like there is, there's so much to live for. And there is hope at the end of the, at the end of the, like light at the end of the tunnel and hope at the end of this journey. You just got to keep fighting and just take it day by day. Don't try, you know, bite off more than you can chew. Just take it one day at a time, set yourself small milestones and just get through each of those day by day. Lovely. We have Amber Danae Wright on our show from South Africa. Amber, thank you so much for joining us on All Talk Oncology. Oh, Kenny, it's been such a privilege. Thank you. You know, every time I get to talk about my journey, I get empowered. I get to remind myself of how strong I am and this path that I've walked and how much I've achieved in this really terrible journey. So I'm super grateful for your time and for giving me the opportunity to share my story on your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. So again, we wanted to thank Amber Danae Wright for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. And she came on here dropping gems. You know, one of the things that she talked about that was extremely important to her was her faith. She says that it was her faith that was going to get her through all of this. And she talked about the first 24 to 48 hours, it was difficult, you know, to go through that shock, um, to get that news. She was a little depressed on, on, on dealing with that, but she knew that she needed to get out of that. After that 48th hour, she talked about she filled herself up with spiritual things, which was so important. She was going to trust God that was going to give her the tools in order for her to be successful and get through this, uh, this cancer journey. And she was going to take a bad situation, right, and fight uh, with everything she had. And she said she knew that if this took her mentally, this cancer, if it took over mentally, that was going to be hard for her to come back from, right? She didn't know if she can do that. So she was going to fight with everything she had in order, in order for her to uh, maintain uh, her mentality, which was phenomenal. Another gift she talked about was about her courage. And I asked her, where did she get that from, right? And she said, if you fall, you got to get back up. You just can't lie there and accept defeat lying down. No. And she said that her father, you know, was a soldier. So she was raised tough, no guts, no glory type of thing. And uh, which I thought was pretty phenomenal coming from her who was like Miss South Africa, right? This beautiful person. But her courage is what really stood out and came through. And you don't take that defeat lying down. And what, what an amazing uh, attribute that, that it is, right? But she also said this about courage. She says, you don't want to have that and it's so far off balance that it's to your detriment, you know? And an example she gave was that before chemo, she was terrified before her first treatment. And she didn't know what to expect, what that was going to be like, but she decided that she was going to surround herself around her family and her loved ones. And so they went out to dinner, they celebrated, 
they went to a place that was so beautiful. She said it had so many flowers and they took tons of pictures together. And it was just one of the greatest times she had in her life. And so though she had courage, she also uh, had the balance of knowing um, how to kind of keep that in its place by hanging out with family because she was terrified. So what another gem uh, that she gave us that's so amazing. Another thing she talked about was the support team. And this is so important, right? Because so many people go through this not knowing uh, if they're going to have a support team or they don't even discuss it with anyone. And so for her, she took the first steps of sharing her story with someone, right? And it was from that sharing that her support team began to come about. And she said that she couldn't get through this journey without her support team because it carried her through, through this whole um, cancer journey. And what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing is when you can find people who are there for you that you can lean on and that support you and may not even know you the way um, you think someone who supports you should know. But this is what carried her through and such an amazing, amazing gift. It's, it's amazing how things or people show up in the time of need. I love that. I love that so much. Another gem she talked about is don't let cancer define you, right? And what she means by that, what she meant by that is you don't want cancer to be your entire world. And it can be, right? Because this is a, a horrific disease. Um, it comes unexpectedly for um, most, but you don't want that to be your entire world. Go out, take pictures. She said, sign up, sign yourself up for a photo shoot. Get out there and go to parties. If you meant recall, she talked about the same day she had chemo, she, was also, she also had an award ceremony to go to. And so you think about that being infused with chemo, you're not feeling your best. But she said she went home, pulled out her gown, put on her wig, put on makeup, and she went and had an amazing time, right? What a phenomenal human being, right? To be able to come in and find that resilience and, and fight, um, fight for that. And that's what she says. She, she says you have to fight for those days. You don't let cancer win. And that Oh my goodness, that was that I needed to hear that too. You know, just because in life, whether it's cancer, whether it's something tragic, we need to learn how to find that balance and dig that out. And so those are some gems that she talked about. She says, keep living and don't let again, don't let this cancer be your whole world and make the most out of everything, right? Make the most out of life because life is too short. So again, Amber, Danae, Wright, thank you so much for gracing us here at uh, All Talk Oncology, all the way from South Africa. Appreciate that. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy, and until again, I'm out.